Hello and welcome back to Transformation Talks, Alira Health's podcast series exploring transformational technologies in healthcare and life sciences around the world. I'm Kenny Carberry, Associate Director of Clinical Development at Alira Health, a global healthcare consulting company providing services across fully integrated practices, including product development, regulatory, clinical CRO, global market access, real world evidence, patient engagement, advanced analytics, strategy consulting, and transaction advisory. The topic of discussion today is relations between contract research organizations, or CROs, and clinical trial sites, specifically taking a close look at interactions and relationships from both perspectives. I'm joined by three guests today, including Chris Rao, VP of Clinical Development at Alira Health, who has 15 years of experience in the CRO space. Also with us are two leaders within Alira Health's clinical practice, Peggy Healy and Christoph Vida. Both Peggy and Christoph have professional experience as clinical research coordinators in addition to their roles in a CRO, so they can provide us with a unique perspective today. Chris, maybe you can start us off with a few minutes sort of introducing the topic here uh, of the CRO and site relations and, and why it's an important thing to discuss. Sure. Thanks, Kenny. We thought this was an important topic to discuss because if you think about some of the, the key factors for, for sponsor companies or others who are running research programs, you think about things like timelines, costs, uh, obviously the collection of critical data and the importance of that data being accurate uh, and supporting a successful trial. But I think what, what's often not thought about is the importance of the relationship between your clinical sites, the physicians conducting this research and the group that you have managing the clinical trial or the CRO. And obviously that reflects on the the sponsor as a company as well. So one of the things that, that we think about, which tends to be lost in translation a bit, is the importance of good communication, but also managing a good relationship with your with your clinical trial sites. That's both at the physician level, so the PI being the most visible, sometimes to the sponsor, the most visible participant in the research, but then also the, the coordinators, the study nurses, the, the support teams, which sometimes can be forgotten about, but which really are running all of the day-to-day -day aspects of the trial. So we thought it would be interesting to, to sort of take a look at the importance of communication, how companies can promote that relationship with the sites, um, and also the role that the CRO plays. So what are some of the pitfalls? What have we experienced? So we have you know both Christoph and, and Peggy who have been coordinators at, at academic medical centers. So sort of thinking about what are some of the, the danger zones and, and what can actually prevent a successful clinical trial versus what we can do to promote that good relationship and you know help the success of the trial overall. Great, thank you for that. So let's let's talk about the communication piece because I think you said something interesting where the the PI can be most visible or sort of considered first uh, on the sponsor side, but maybe not the person that the CRO deals with mostly on a day to day. So so Peggy, Christoph, in your opinion, well, I guess for the communication, you have to adapt a little bit probably when dealing with physicians sometimes versus research nurses, depending on who you're talking to, uh, different personalities. So uh, maybe maybe Peggy, if you could start us off what you see with talking to different people at the site level um, and what kind of your experience there from the CRO side. Absolutely. Thanks, Kenny. I think the biggest thing that we experience is that every site is different and that your communication style with one site may not go over well with another and it's completely individual. So spending that time just getting to know people on that personal level can really go a long way. For instance, Right now on one of the trials I'm working on, we have a couple of study coordinators who would much prefer to talk on the phone rather than send emails. And just picking up the phone and calling them to discuss something is a great way to resolve something quickly rather than passing emails back and forth or perhaps sending emails that may not get a response. Have they, uh, has anyone tried to get you on video a lot in these uh, pandemic times? Is that a switch that coordinators are making too? 
Actually, yes. Yeah. So one of one of our sites does love to use video, and that was an adaptation that we had to make pretty quickly. Um, however, I have noticed that a lot of times when sites are on video, there's lots going on in the background, and typically coordinators are having to wear masks, and things can get a little bit hectic. So that doesn't happen as often as you might think it might. That's that's interesting. I hope it's not. Uh been too much of a bother to switch to video on a couple of occasions. Uh, Christoph, anything to add uh, from your experience? Yeah, thanks, Kenny. It's uh, good to be here. Um, to on Peggy's point, so I think that the adaptability that she mentioned is is really critical. So every site kind of has a different workflow, and that's certainly been exacerbated, um, I think, in our experience during COVID. So we have some coordinators who are working from home. Um, some would prefer you to email them only. Some prefer, as Peggy said, to call them on the phone. So just kind of being open and uh, transparent with, uh, with that communication level, um, I think has been important. And also kind of at the beginning of a study, especially to try to hash out what the site is comfortable with and who you should be coordinating with for certain things. So some sites that we work with, some of the PIs have a lot of oversight um, and some don't really like to be copied on any emails. Some like to be copied on all emails. So just kind of figuring out what the specific comfort level is for that for that institution and working with them. Thanks for that. And also uh, for building and maintaining a relationship as a CRO. You know, some CROs have different approaches to who the contact is going to be for the site. Um, whether you have a, a traveling monitor, for example, that's handling that communication or someone who's dedicated in-house. What have you seen, experienced uh, as one way better than another, sort of as, as a CRO or even from the site side? So from the site side, my experience was that as a research coordinator, I interacted with the traveling monitor who would come for monitoring visits to my site, would mostly interact during monitoring visits. And of course, they'd reach out when they needed something from the regulatory side. And then it wasn't until I came to Alira Health that I experienced a little bit of a different model where the in-house CRA would reach out to the site directly for things that are regulatory needs or really just to form that relationship outside of the monitoring visits. And it wasn't until I kind of got a taste of the, the alternative way of looking at it that I think the model of having somebody in-house that's always available for communication really does work. Um, mon monitors who travel are often doing just that, they're traveling. So if they're on a site visit and they get calls from another site about some big problem that they're having, they're then not using their time in the best and most efficient way when they're on site monitoring. Um, so it's great to have somebody who's always available and who's always able to take questions or work with the site to problem solve on that as needed basis. So Chris, related to that, um... I want to make sure you have an opportunity to touch on the sort of in-house versus traveling approach because you, you've been in the industry a long time. You've sort of experienced all of those roles, but I, I also want to give you an opportunity to speak to maintaining relationships with sites over time, right? So that I know from at least from a leader house perspective, there are a handful of investigators and research teams that we've worked with for a very long time. Uh, is that the norm? Uh, are there other, you think there are a lot of CROs that have that kind of relationship and what are some ways to make sure that that relationship stays strong over those years? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I don't know that it's necessarily the norm. I mean, I think within the world of research, turnover tends to be fairly high at the, at the CRO level, you know, both at the project manager role and the CRA role, especially among traveling series. So I think 
working with a group where there's low turnover and consistency. I mean, we have clients where it's a portfolio program. So we may be running multiple studies with them uh, for years and to be able to have a consistency in the relationship with the sites to, you know, sort of understand the pain points like Peggy and Christoph were talking about different sites react differently to things. They have different communication styles. So I think, you know, having that consistency over the years, sometimes we even track coordinators from one hospital to the next as they, as they move through their career, but we still work with them. So it's, it's really important because you build a relationship, you know, they recognize your name, you know them. And I think that you have the chance to, I think, work more in a partnership than sort of like, you know, one thing to talk about is this kind of tracks it, transactional relationship that a lot of sponsors and CROs have with their coordinators and their study sites, which is all we really care about is getting to the end of the study to data lock. And we don't really care if we burn the bridge. Well, in your next program, then you've already burned the bridge with that site and you can run into difficulty. So I think it is important to have that consistency over time um, and really just to, to humanize the site. I, I mean, understanding that, yes, we both have our own separate goals. So obviously we're, we're representing the sponsor as a CRO, but at the same time, it's understanding where the hospitals and their staff are coming from. So I think having people on the team who've worked in that environment is really important because then they can speak to the specific tasks that those people are going about day to day, but also understand what the CRO needs to accomplish in terms of timelines and goals. So I think it's also very important. Yeah, it's, it has to be so easy to fall into that just transactional kind of uh, routine. I need this form. I need to visit you on this day. Um, but it has to be a much deeper relationship for that program and future programs to to exist. That's great. Uh, Christoph, I guess related to that, um, in your experience as a coordinator uh, previously, these different kind of relationships do exist. I'm sure some CROs are more transactional or some are more healthy relationship building. Do sites understand the CRO perspective, I suppose. Um, you know, we oftentimes as, as a CRO, we have a job to do and it has to be done yesterday, right? Uh, so obviously there's there's often urgency and stressors on either side of that communication. What do sites see in a CRO uh, and maybe what could have been done better uh, in your experience as a coordinator? Yeah, that's an interesting question. So from the kind of previous experience I had as a coordinator, sort of that longitudinal relationship with sites and the importance of that can't be understated. So from the CROs that I'd worked with previously, there was certainly more turnover with the uh, traveling monitors. So that was definitely something that was challenging because you need to sort of figure out what their workflow is and what their kind of communication flow is. So that was definitely something to, to get used to. As for, to, I guess, specifically address your question, I, I don't know that I really spent that much time thinking about the uh, CRA perspective as a coordinator. And I think that is maybe something that on both sides, um, we should sort of both look at that and kind of figure out a more empathetic approach to reaching our kind of collective goals on a study. Yeah, Peggy, I'd like to give you a chance to, to add to that, but also maybe consider from the CRO side or really either side, but sometimes when we are as a CRO communicating with the site, uh, again, as Chris mentioned, we're representing the sponsor, right? So sometimes there are specific requests or timelines or emails maybe that are being pushed on you to then send to the site, for example, right? How are those received on the site side uh, and how have you dealt with that? Yeah, and I mean, that happens all the time. I think it's important to understand that the sites 
uh, their staff are often overworked and underpaid. Typically, they're working on many studies at a time. So even from our end, if one project is our main focus, it's typically not the coordinator's main focus. So understanding that and sort of entering into that relationship with that type of perspective, I think is helpful knowing that if you request something from a site, perhaps you won't get it the same day just because that's not where their priority lies. So I think being as clear as possible in communication without, you know, crossing that barrier of being too demanding is difficult, but just communicating your priority, I think is the best way to go just just to sort of emphasize that to the sites. And Chris, I think, you know, over the years, we've also taken an approach at, as a CRO to advocate for the site and their and their staff and, you know, in front of a sponsor and kind of either defend their timeline workflow, you know, whatever. Um, but it's it, in some cases that's been important for us to maintain that relationship. And maybe there's a, a request from a sponsor that we don't think for the site is realistic and it's important for us to voice that early uh, right so what 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 kind of uh, communications have you seen there and how often does that happen and how important is that that's an interesting question I mean ultimately as a CRO you know we represent the interests of the sponsor so we have to find a way to communicate the sponsors needs in an efficient and clear way to the site but like you mentioned also you know the reverse is true and communicate back to the sponsor what we think in terms of you know what's our position on is this, is this feasible for the site what do we think the site's response is going to be to a certain request um, and also helping the site, I think you know, now now sort of taking the part of the sponsor, it's also helping the site to understand, you know, the contractual obligation between site and sponsor. You know, they've they've entered into an agreement with the sponsor to run this trial per the protocol. So I think it's it's being a middle person and facilitating facilitating communication both ways, which means you have to be able to speak both languages. So understanding what the sponsor needs, understanding what the site can do or is willing to do, and then maybe doing a bit of translation in between. Sometimes that's even literally. So we have a lot of uh, clients who are located outside the U.S. who are running trials within the U.S. And oftentimes it can be a major challenge, um, not even just from a language perspective, but even understanding the way the healthcare system works in the U.S. versus, say, Europe or Asia Pacific. So there are really big differences, and sometimes that can be very confusing, but also frustrating to a sponsor who is used to a certain health system and a certain research system, and it's drastically different here in the U.S., uh, for better or for worse. Sometimes it's things run more efficiently here. Uh, sometimes they run less efficiently. So I think it's also understanding the health system, the research system in the U.S. for our clients outside of the U.S., and you know, effectively transmitting that back and doing some translation work as well. Um, I think when it comes to maybe sometimes requests that come from the sponsor, that's a big one because it may be a completely reasonable request from the sponsor side, but we understand just based on the logistics and the way that the hospital or the institution is set up, it may not be doable. So we have to then creatively brainstorm and figure out a way so that both parties are happy, but ultimately that, that the sponsor is able to you know meet their goals. And I'm sure that becomes much easier to do when the relationship with the site between the site and CRO is already strong. Um, and you're able to communicate effectively between parties. Exactly. I mean, it, it should never just be, I think it, it could become very black and white, yes or no answer, but it's really being creative. So if the sponsor needs this, usually there's a way on the part of the site to be able to make it work. Sometimes you might have to tweak some of the details and some of the logistical elements, but there's almost always a way to, to get it to happen. But again, you're much more likely to get things to work if you have a good relationship with the site, because then they're willing to work with you rather than you know, again, burning the bridge. If you've already burned that bridge, or you know, if they're already coming from a position of a negative attitude about your study, I think much, much less likely to be able to move forward. Yeah, totally agree. 
Peggy, Christoph, any anything to add? Any final words? Want to make sure before we wrap up here that uh, you know maybe there's something you'd like to to add that we didn't go over. Uh, maybe we a zero doesn't know or won't see from the site side or vice versa. That some some parting words for for the audience here. Yeah, I I think uh, to Chris's point, something that I really appreciated as a study coordinator was when someone brought up the Sierra, whether it be a monitor or an in-house CRA, would kind of start by asking underlying questions to me, kind of, kind of on a site level, about barriers to enrollment and resources that they can provide to ameliorate those instead of sort of providing a list demanding of what's needed. So I think it's really easy to kind of fall into the trap of being like, I need X, Y, and Z, as opposed to uncovering the, the underlying fabric and mechanisms of what's happening at the site level that is preventing the work from being done properly. And that comes with, right, the, the positive relationship that you can build with the site, um, but also can develop into that close relationship as you kind of troubleshoot and problem solve together. Perfect. Thank you. Peggy, any last words here? Yeah, I think it's really important to understand that a lot of the burden of the research outcome depend on, on the sites themselves. That, like I said, coordinators are often overworked and underpaid, and, and we put a lot of responsibility on them to carry out the clinical trial. So going that extra step to make that connection um, is something that I think I wish that I had seen a little bit more of when I was a study coordinator. And it's something that I've seen can really make a difference. Um, maybe when you need that last data point in, entered into the EDC system, or you need that last document signed, you're much more likely to get it from somebody who you have an existing relationship with and who it's less of that transactional back and forth. Great points, great points. Well, thank you all so much, Chris, Peggy, Christoph. Really appreciate you taking the time uh, for this informative discussion today. Uh, to our listeners, I hope we were able to shed some light on the uh, interactions and relationships between CROs and research teams at trial sites. If you'd like to speak to our experts here uh, or learn more learn more about Alira Health, you can visit us at our website, alirahealth.com. That's A-L-I-R-A health.com. Thank you again and join us next time here on Transformation Talks.